This is Bellator Colloquium, a podcast of the Bellator Society. Bellator in Latin means warrior, and a colloquium is a conversation. We at the Bellator Society are online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful, and this podcast is our conversation about all those things and so much more. Meet us here weekly at Bellator Colloquium and at bellatorsociety.com for content that will hopefully lift you, inspire you, comfort you, and make you feel a part of our Bellator Society. Good morning, friends and warriors. Welcome to podcast number 12. I'm Tracy Eddy, and I've got Fran Yeager in Franklin, Tennessee. Of course, I'm in Scottsdale, and it is actually 82 degrees today, so I am jazzed. It's it's like what? a huge cool front that came through yesterday, because um, normally this time of the morning, um, it is like 100 degrees already lately. So anyways, I'm all energetic um, because of the weather, but we have a guest today. We have Molly Coop joining us from Minnesota, and she was bragging earlier that her temperature is in the 60s. So I'm a little jealous in Arizona, so jealous. but we are it's so excited drizzly, to have you. It does feel fantastic, yeah. But okay. you feel good with your candles and your yeah. pumpkin spiced lattes and whatnot. On. Yeah, yes. <laughs> so jealous. I'm still wearing as loose of clothing as I can get out of my closet because it's still a little warm here, but. Anyways, welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Thank you for having me. This is just really a gift. Oh, Molly, thank you for joining us. And we invited Molly to join us today to talk about pilgrimages because she wrote the most beautiful and helpful uh, blog piece for us um, that we entitled Young Pilgrims, just about her family's experience with um, young children going on pilgrimages. And Molly does have experience in this regard, and she also has a lot of children. So Molly, (laughs) would you please just tell us a little bit about yourself, about your life, about your kids if you want to? What are you into? What are you interested in? Yeah, so my husband, Brendan, and I have been married for 18 years. We live in the northern suburbs of the Twin Cities in Minnesota in a great little town called Ham Lake. Um, We have eight children. Our oldest is 17, and um, our youngest is three years old. We have four girls and four boys. We have a very blessed, busy household. Um, We homeschool our children. And evenly split. You're evenly split. Yes, so I know. You've it got, got really symmetrical there. <laughs> totally. I love, I do actually appreciate symmetry and even numbers. So yes. <laughs> me too. Very I'm, nicely I'm down rounded. with that. Yes. So we homeschool our children and um, I've got a nice quiet household this morning. So a little bit different oh, that's than the norm. Amazing. Yeah. Eight children in the home and, and I had not heard a pin drop in the background. That is no. amazing. How oh, do they're you not do here. that? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> That's how you do it. That's that also that. makes yeah. sense. Yeah. I was gonna think maybe the other way she does it is because we are we are all through recording via Skype on our in our home studios as I like to call it. But two of the three of us are in our closets. <laughs> so I thought maybe that was how. Uh the the quiet, how you establish such good quiet. Yes. But no, they're not, not even only, in the house. Not only is no, my closet our family hiding hole for tornadoes and things, it is actually soundproof. So it's, it's a good place to be. <laughs> but Fran, I see a window behind you. Be care- yeah, but you be can careful put a mattress in, in front of that window. <laughs> and this is, this is 
actually a pretty big closet, so I mean, it, it it does it does work well. Actually, you know what? A better hiding hole would be under our stairs, but it's you know kind of claustrophobic in there, <laughs> and it's hardwood Boy. floor, so it, it's not as soundproof. Gotcha, G- gotcha. <laughs> so pilgrimages. So- Yes, let's let's jump into let's pilgrimages. Die. Before we start talking about Molly's piece, um, I want to uh, survey um, you guys and which of us among us had to memorize the prologue for Canterbury Tales in eighth grade or ninth grade or whenever. Did anybody have to do that? No. Did anyone have to to, to to memorize what is it? Uh, then Longan folk to go on pilgrimages, you know. Canterbury Tales. Where, where, were, where were you in eleventh grade? What school was this? <laughs> we had to, we had to memorize in I guess is it Old English or or I think it's Old English uh, the prologue for Canterbury Tales. So that's awesome. You know, we got some exposure to at least medieval pilgrimages in high school. But um, we're talking about a different kind of pilgrimage now. But maybe we should do a little bit of history on what a pilgrimage is. So um, Molly, what is your understanding of pilgrimage? Well, for our family, a pilgrimage is a journey with the express purpose of honoring God. So Mm -hmm. different from a vacation where you're um, looking for bodily or mental rest, a pilgrimage um, is for the express purpose of honoring our Lord. Yeah. Yeah. And and it's like almost sometimes the opposite of a vacation, in (laughs) fact. (laughs) I remember when our family went on a pilgrimage for um, the World Meeting of Families, which is where I met Molly for the very first time in Philadelphia. And it was our first family pilgrimage, in fact. So it's still coming together. Yes. Yes, I didn't realize that. So so we were all experiencing this pilgrimage idea for the first time. And before we left for Philadelphia, because um, the World Meeting of Families is like a week-long event. Like you, you go at the beginning and we have like meetings and masses and, and things before the Pope arrived. Mm-hmm. So it was actually much longer than the Pope's visit. I don't know if people realize that. Like we were in Philadelphia for like a week. And before we left, our local bishop um, uh, blessed, so our, our good friends, the Ostroms, and our family traveled together as kind of representatives of our diocese, and um, our our bishop uh, blessed our families before we left, and he said as he was blessing us, he was like, and I want you to remember that this is a pilgrimage, and some good things might happen. <laughs> <laughs> And it's so true because it's like the opposite of a vacation. You go on a vacation so that it's all goodness. And maybe a couple of difficult things, challenging things, penitential things happen. But on a pilgrimage, your your mindset has to begin differently. Just as Molly said, like it is it is a journey towards an encounter with God. And and you know, any encounter with God um, in this fallen world inevitably and, and and by our Lord's instruction requires the cross. And I can say that happens on pilgrimages. <laughs> I think that's especially true with children, you know, because they're just, I mean, you're, they're tiny little pilgrims and they're not always going to yeah. be perfectly quiet and reverent in those holy spaces. And so a little bit of extra suffering. Maybe. Oh, heavens. Yes. <laughs> so what inspired you to um, continue? Okay. So you obviously had a decent experience with your first pilgrimage to Philadelphia mm-hmm. as a family. And I have to say this too, the coops are the cutest. They, you always knew when the coops were around because they had matching shirts. I mean, she had it figured out how to keep these children 
<laughs> visible at all times. Right, we're not usually matchy, but um, with millions of people oh, but around, it was we smart. decided we needed the gold <laughs> to keep our so eyes it. on our pilgrims. Yes, but it was also helpful for us who wanted to admire the coops oh. because you knew when there was a coop around, yeah, <laughs> like, you can recognize. True. Oh, there they are, and there and um, but that was obviously a good enough experience that you continued to um, seek out pilgrimage opportunities, right. uh, maybe not so far away, uh, maybe closer to home. But uh, tell us kind of your thought process, you and Brendan, how you decided that this was something for your family and that would be good for your children and family. Sure. So when we knew that we were going to the World Meeting of Families, we decided that we really wanted to make our entire journey to Philadelphia and back home very intentional. So we started looking for shrines and and holy sites to visit on on our way out and our way back. So our whole kind of two-week journey was centered around this idea of pilgrimage, and we were so blessed. Um, Our kids just really had a better understanding of the universal church Mm -hmm. through our journey because there's so much diversity in our church, and they just really started to embrace that. And also, we just really felt like the kids are really seeing that our faith is so central. It is entirely central to our life as a family. And so when we became really intentional about our journeys, we just really were so blessed. We we knew we'd need to do it again. So So what was the next one? Where'd you go next? Oh goodness. Well, I mean, we've done a lot of more local mm-hmm. visits, like even just going to the St. Paul Cathedral or um in La Crosse, Wisconsin, the Shrine of Our Lady of Guadalupe, which is just a little day trip. Um I've I've lost track of the order or um, even all of the places that we've been since then. Um, but so we tried it. We don't. You, go ahead. How many did you do going there, and how many did you do coming back? Um, we did maybe about three stops each way. Nice. So you had yeah. about a seven, yeah, seven location type pilgrimage. That's mm-hmm. amazing. And to know that you did that all locally, because when I think of a pilgrimage, I think of like you know, Europe or the Holy oh, Land right, or, right. you know. Um, right, locally meaning in the United States, in the right, continental right, United States. Right, right, right. And, we, so and that, that was just our little route out east. I mean, in United States, there are so many amazing places to visit. So. That's awesome. So what do you do when you get there? Oh, well, before we leave, we try to do um, a little bit of research about where we plan to, to visit so a little yeah. bit maybe about the architecture or the art that we'll see there or study this, the life of the saint that is um, represented at the shrine. Then yeah. when we get there, um, oh, and we also usually have like a little journal where we write our prayer intentions or ask our family and friends, what are, how can we pray for you on our journey? And so we bring that, I love that. journal with us. When we arrive, we usually, um, you know, look for the sanctuary lamp. Um, Mm -hmm. see that father is also wearing green, look for the holy water font, just kind of the, the simple things for the little kids. Uh Um, a lot of, a lot of places have beautiful grounds so you can Mm -hmm. like stations of the cross outside or rosary walk, light a candle. Yeah. So I love that. So do you have a, a, another one planned? We do not have something specifically <laughs> planned, <laughs> not on the schedule, um, but we always have kind of our sights on, you know, 
Yeah, what's the bucket years. list? Yeah. Like, what's next on the bucket list? Oh, goodness. Um, I would really love to get to um, the Shrine of Our Lady of Good Help, which is in Green Bay, Wisconsin. Now, my oldest oh. girls just went there um, this summer with their grandparents on a little pilgrimage, but I would love to bring the family there. And that's just, for us, it's just a six-hour drive. So maybe yeah, a weekend. Yeah, that's not bad. Yeah. So Molly also took um, most of your children. Did you leave two home when we you left went our little to girls. Rome? Yes. We left our youngest two at home. They were a little too tiny to appreciate <laughs> the journey. And it did make it a little less uh, suffering for the family to not have diapers <laughs> and things to do. But we did um, take a journey to Rome a couple springs ago. My brother-in-law is a priest with our archdiocese, but he's assigned in Rome working on his doctoral thesis. And so we were able to take advantage of having a little tour guide and a visit to That's Uncle amazing. Father. Yes. Uh, that is so amazing. And you know what? Just put a pin in this. You may need to write a blog just on your Rome trip, like giving tips I'd for Rome, because I think that's something on, on all of our minds and, and hearts. You haven't been yet. Like that's so, you know, in, in, in historical pilgrimages, the, the great religions all have like their spots where they mm-hmm. were kind of like the best place to go or the, the highest mountain to go. And for the, the you know, the Jews, which is kind of the, the, the Hebrew people. Um, that's kind of where we get our idea of pilgrimage and theirs was the Holy Land, you know, um, you know, they, they, they went in, in the footsteps of, you know, Abraham and, you know, uh, you know, going to the Holy Land. And then, um, for us, you know, it's, it, it began with the Holy Land. Pilgrimages did begin with the Holy Land in the first, um, few centuries of Christianity. In fact, was it um, Constantine's mother, um, Helena, who went to the Holy Land uh, once Christianity was made legal to look for all of these holy sites that Jesus walked, right? Yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of the first idea of Christian pilgrimage. But then as the church made its home in Rome, Rome became our, um, you know, sort of highest mountaintop uh, of of pilgrimage um, for us. And, you know, I think that um, that's just a place that all Catholics specifically have, you know, kind of at the top of our list if we haven't been already. So I do want you to tell us more about that. Uh, So, you know, ponder and think about that and and let us know in the future when you're ready to, to share those notes because I'm ready to read them. <laughs> I do want to uh, mention too that while we were, <clears throat> excuse me, when we were in Italy, we were able to take our family up to Assisi and that was yes. amazing. amazing. I mean, people have said, oh, that's the most peaceful place I've ever been. And I thought, okay, well, I'm sure it'll be nice. It was so peaceful and just, you can see how the spirituality of Saints Francis and Claire um, yeah. came from that very peaceful place. And we have a son named Francis, and he was able to receive his first Holy Communion at the tomb of St. Oh, Francis while we were there. Stop it. So I know, such a gift. That's epic. Molly, all of the goosebumps. Seriously, that is so beautiful. <laughs> what a so gift. Cool. I'm afraid I wouldn't come back. I'd be like, I, you know, on uh, what's that movie under the Tuscan sun where she just buys a villa like on a vacation and never, you know, they ship her things to her. And I'm like, that that would be the Eddies. We'd be like, mm-mm. Not going, not going home. This is, yeah, we're going to just pray and live off the land and, and whatever. Um, well, and it's so funny that you would say that, Tracy, because, in, again, back in the early church, I think it was St. Jerome and maybe even St. Augustine actually gave specific instructions to lay people to make pilgrimages as their taste of monasticism, right? Oh. Like, we can't all live those monastic lives outside of the world, but when you go on pilgrimage, that is the experience, and sometimes you do yes. want to stay there. <laughs> yes. 
this, and, this is, and truthfully, the- some of the um, stops that we have made have been to visit other religious orders. So our kids have kind of had a taste of, you know, how does this contemplative monastic mm-hmm. Benedictine order live their life? Um, and it's just been a gift for them to see, you know, that just, again, the universality of the church and that they could be called to maybe one of these orders as well. It helps with their vocational discernment, I hope. Yeah, no, I think absolutely. Um, we were talking earlier about pilgrimages not being, you know, necessarily a vacation. But I, I do kind of feel like in, in the early church, in the you know Middle Ages, people made pilgrimages really as a penance and a sacrifice. Yes. And, and it was dangerous because there mm-hmm. weren't nice hotels and there weren't, you know, tour guides and tour buses and whatnot. And so robbers literally would know they're coming and, and there was always a risk of being robbed or mugged or whatever. And, um, but my family, uh, my husband and I, and my sister and her husband went on a pilgrimage, um, Oh, maybe like 10 years ago. And we went to Lourdes and when we got there, there was visible excitement of people there, like checking in the hotel and, you know, just the energy was in, in Lourdes, if you don't know, for our listeners, it's a it's a place where people believe that there's spiritual healing, physical healing. There's um, the waters there are believed to be miraculous, this kind of natural spring waters, and there's a lot of reported healings from people who have been there. And at the time, my mom was sick, and we were going for a healing, um, sp- spiritual, physical, emotional, whatever. Um, we we needed. Um, we needed Your those equal waters. opportunity healing, <laughs> total equal opportunity healing. But the funny thing is my husband commented and I will never be able to get this phrase out of my mind. He said, Oh my gosh, it's spring break for Catholics because <laughs> <at the> hotel <laughs> when we were checking in. I mean, it was, it, it, again, people are there, you know, a lot of solemn, you know, faces and sun, just but so much hope and excitement. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could tell there's just like a buzz in the air and, people making sure they got the right room assignments. And so it's, it was so funny. Um, but, oh, that was such a cool, such a cool, yeah. if you've never been to Lourdes, it is put it on your bucket list for sure. It's a, it's awesome. I haven't been to Lourdes, but I did recently hear, um, I like Fulton Sheen. I like him a lot. Oh, I like God, to listen sure. to him. Me too. I like to listen to him on YouTube. And uh, we were, I was homeschooling our 13-year-old one day, and we were looking something up. I can't even remember what the topic was, but Fulton Sheen had a, had a you know, a talk on it. And so we, tur- we, put, we put on YouTube. And um, he always prefaces whatever lesson he's giving with sweet stories, you know, and he always has great stories or jokes or whatever. And this particular um, story was about his trip to Lourdes. Um, during the early part of his um, priesthood, he, in fact, he was celebrating one of an anniversary, an early anniversary of his priesthood, and um, he took a trip to Lourdes, and he didn't have any money at all. He was, you know, he had enough money to buy a train ticket from, I believe, Belgium to Lourdes. And he had no really plan for what he was going to do. He had nine days off. Um, he had received nine days off to, to go for this pilgrimage. And when he got there, he was like, well, if the Blessed Mother wants me to take this pilgrimage, um, then she's going to take care of me. And so he checked into a hotel, no money, didn't know how he was going to pay for it. And he just, you know, made that pilgrimage, um, you know, v- very intentional about in service to Our Lady. And um, on the on the ninth day, he said he still didn't have a way to pay the hotel bill. And this was like the day, the day before he needed to go back. 
at noon, still couldn't figure out how he was going to pay this hotel bill. At 10 o'clock at night, still no way. So he decides that he's going to bring it to Our Lady. So he takes a, a, 10, a 10 o'clock stroll out to the grotto. And he prays before our Blessed Mother, and this man approaches him, you know, at 10 o'clock at night and says, uh, Father, do you speak English? And, you know, <laughs> Fulton Sheen says, yes, I do. He said, well, do you also speak French? And he said, yes, I do. And he said, could I ask you if you would mind um, accompanying my family to Paris tomorrow to be our translator and take us around to the sites? We would, of course, reimburse you. And, and you know, Fulton Sheen was like, yes, <laughs> this is wow. obviously what I'm supposed to do. And so the man walks with him back to the hotel. And then Fulton Sheen says, he asked me the most interesting question I have ever been asked. Have you paid your hotel bill yet? No. And the man not only took him and compensated him for the trip, but paid his hotel bill for those nine days. Um, and so he was just like, this is what, th- these are the things that happen on pilgrimage. These yeah. are the little ways yes. that God tells you this is where you should be. And so that's actually, I, I say that as a connection from Lourdes to a question for you, Molly, and for you, Tracy, who, who have been you know, on amazing pilgrimages. What are some of the surprises that you have received as gifts, as little consolations? Because again, we know that pilgrimage are fraught with the sacrifice, with the penitential kind of vibe, but there's also beauty and sweetness. And what are some of those? I think for us, um, the hugest blessing has been deepened family unity. Mm-hmm. Um, when, when you make a unified journey together with this purpose of increased um, virtue, there's just a real peaceful sense of Again, like this is where we're supposed to be and um, that our family is really on a journey together. I think that's just an overarching um, mm-hmm. blessing that we have always received. So I think for me on, on our pilgrimage, like you said, it was just peaceful in yeah. such a hard time for our family. It was just peaceful. And, mm. and to be able to pray the rosary in community with, with all the pilgrims there, they, they do like a rosary procession, you know, and everybody has their lit candles and just to look around and see the universal, the universal church. And I'll never forget. My sister was lighting a candle, um, for my mom and for another little girl in my sister's hometown, who was born with a congenital heart defect and, and was not really expected to live to be, you know, two or three years old. And she actually lived to be like 11 or 12. Um, not Catholic, but we said, you know, we kind of took her intentions and, and lit candles for her and for my mom and kind of a random man walked up to my sister and said, you know, those candles burn in perpetuity. And she Mm -hmm. said, well, what do you mean? And he said, well, as the wax drips, more candles are made from the wax dripping. So Mm -hmm. your candle will, you know, it will remain, um, lit. So just peace like that, like, like you said, people just kind of come out of nowhere and kind of Mm -hmm. tell you what you need to hear. Um, exactly when you need it, what you need. Um, and so having sort of a community of filling you up and filling you up. And I had a dream. Um, and and I knew that for us, a physical healing would be, it would be amazing, but it wasn't necessarily something that we were expecting to happen necessarily. We wanted healing. We didn't know what it looked like. And I had a dream, um, with our lady in it, um, that kind of just gave me this, a sense of peace that everything, this, this was kind of God's plan for our family and for my mom. And, and, you know, I knew that my mom was going to pass away 
but I also knew that she was going to be okay. You know, so it was just like this um, overwhelming sense of peace that I think is the spiritual healing that we talk yeah. about on these pilgrimages. Yeah. So that was that was my experience, and it was Catholic <laughs> Spring Break. Was like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It yeah, was I think not there's Cancun, really this, but <laughs> yeah, there's just this real sense that even we don't always even know what the Lord is doing. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. On our journey and how he's transforming our hearts or even really setting up our children for the future so that they can mm-hmm. recall the time that they experienced the Lord at this little shrine in, in the Midwest. Um, well, yeah, and I think that's really right. And I think some people go on pilgrimages just with the, with the intention of having, growing closer to the Lord bringing get to heaven bring a brother like the the Jaeger family motto just having that experience and then some people go on with go to on pilgrimage with an intention <laughs> like this right. is a singular intention and and so it's it's not you know we're not all on the same journey we're not all on the same pilgrimage mm-hmm. so it is going to be different for everybody and um you know I, I used to always think that pilgrimages were such a catholic thing because we do honor these saints and we look Mm -hmm. to these churches that maybe have a a neat story or maybe um, a site of an apparition or whatnot. But pilgrimages are really kind of a universal human experience because I mean, the highest place for a pilgrimage for my friends who aren't even Catholic would be the Holy land. Like we Mm -hmm. all, we all sense and we all know um, that leaving our home and leaving the comfort of our, you know, four walls and, and going to experience our Lord in a different way is is kind of a universal Christian, and not even Christian. I mean, I know other religions have this too, but in the Christian sense, it's a very Christian experience. Mm-hmm. And the and I think too, like we are indeed the a faith of both and that in one sense we do have a purpose for that that um that pilgrimage that mission and we you know inherit that from our um you know jewish heritage you know right. where they were making pilgrimages yearly i think it was maybe even three times a year to jerusalem to the temple mm-hmm. right they had to do that as part of their their ritual worship um and so there there's always a purpose but molly i love how in your your piece you also describe a pilgrimage as a sort of wandering you know that we do have this this goal this end this purpose but it's also sometimes on a wandering path like there's there's some there's some um (laughs) it's not always a straight line to where you're going like sometimes the lord takes you in different directions and there's while you have an expectation you also have to remain open to Mm -hmm. what jesus wants this pilgrimage to look like and that doesn't always that's not always what you intended or what was on the schedule or how you had it planned Mm -hmm. (laughs) so i guess that's also my question what are some of the things that um not bad things i mean some of them are bad but are are there any wandering moments that you can think about in terms of either one of your pilgrimages uh that you were like well that wasn't on the schedule that was not a part of the itinerary oh sure um when we were in Rome, um, my brother-in-law hears confessions for the missionaries of charity and does their holy hour every week. What are those confessions even like? Oh, I know. Is, is, is that the epitome of like being being attacked by like cotton balls? Yeah, marshmallows. <laughs> yes. Oh. Um, but 
he invited us yeah. then to come share in that time that was already scheduled. And um, it was quite a distance from from the place we were staying. And I mean, yes, there are buses, but there's a lot of walking in mm-hmm. Rome. And it was pouring rain, freezing cold, just drenched to the bones um, rain. And there were so many times where like, maybe we're not supposed to, you know, just make this trip today. Maybe we just turn around to be easier. Let's just get on this next bus. And of course, then there's a late bus and we're thinking, okay, we'll just keep going. And, you know, just kept journeying. And um, the moment we walked into the residence of, of the Missionaries of Charity, it was just just a sense of warmth and peace and just being allowed to sit with them and worship our Lord. Um, it was like, okay, that actually, that the part of the journey where we were feeling absolutely miserable, miserable was the kind of the point so that yeah. we could so much more greatly appreciate the moment of prayer that we were so blessed to experience. Oh, I love that. So Molly, do you have a top like five um, list of tips for parents with, with kids for pilgrimages? Because again, I've never done a pilgrimage with children. <laughs> so, so you are That's you're leveling kind of, up. You're expert level in my book. Um, and so for moms and dads who have kids, what, what would you be maybe like your top five? What, what are your recommendations for keeping it? keeping it a holy experience as, as holy as possible. I think, I don't know if I could list five specifically, but I think just having reasonable expectations going into Mm -hmm. it, also preparing the children, like this is not a vacation and there may be some difficult points, but um, that's kind of why we're doing this is this, is Mm -hmm. to experience this as a family. So um, setting up older kids to just really have a good, um, understanding of what what might happen um and then also when you when you come to the site that you're visiting allow them to get out and get their wiggles out and use the grounds Mm -hmm. whenever it's appropriate to just blow off some steam and um reset and then not have like really long like you wouldn't want to have a three hour you know, kneeling on glass experience with your little kids, you know, just again, I think it's just about keeping things reasonable and, yeah. you know, feeding them. Um, we like to have a, a, a lunch fit for pilgrims with just some bread and cheese and grapes or something um, just to make it a little fun, but making sure that all of their needs are met, their physical yeah. needs are met so that yeah. they can really focus or enter in more in the experience while you're there. So, Awesome. I love that. I do too. Okay, I have a quick question. What so a lot of times I was I've just returned from a retreat. And in a way, a retreat is very similar to a pilgrimage, but there's something different. Like there's something essentially different between the two. What 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 is that? What what am I trying to put my finger on that distinguishes a retreat from a pilgrimage? Yeah, because Anybody? a retreat you're going to <laughs> You're going to a different church usually. Yeah. It's, it's you do still travel. a destination. Yeah. You travel to get there. It's usually, I mean, it can be a one day retreat, but it is usually kind of a weekend thing. So mm-hmm. you, you stay overnight, maybe mm-hmm. um, you're, you're with other like-minded retreat goers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that's a good question. What does make it? 
what what does differentiate a retreat from a pilgrimage? That's a really good question. I I think of a retreat, in my experience, to be a lot more of a personal mm-hmm. experience um, where the Lord is maybe speaking to you really individually into your heart, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and maybe a pilgrimage is more of a communal experience, at least in our experience. No, I think you're absolutely right. I was trying to think of the distinguishing factors of a pilgrimage and and community and fellowship was exactly one of them. And again, it, it harkened back to Jeffrey Chaucer, where, you know, you're always going with a group of people. Sometimes sometimes it's a an sundry band of characters. <laughs> sometimes all of those people are in your own family. <laughs> yes, absolutely. <laughs> but there, I think car. you're absolutely right. Yeah, that that you 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 don't go on pilgrimage um at least in in the Christian sense. Um, because nothing is alone if you're a Christian. Like mm-hmm. you're always in the communion of saints. You're always taking people with you, if not physically, spiritually. You know, it, which is as real as physically. You always are seeking that that sense of community and belonging um, as you're going to meet God. Um, and then, of course, the other thing that I was thinking is sacrifice. Now, there are sacrifices involved in, in retreats. You know, there certainly mm-hmm. are. Like, there's a, usually a monetary sacrifice. There's a sacrifice of time and those sorts of things. But it's different than the sacrifices that you make on a pilgrimage. And I like that you brought up the the topic of simple foods because even that is a bit of a sacrifice from, sure. from you know, our normal, probably what you would feed your kids on a normal luncheon right. or dinner right. or whatever. Right. What are some other sacrifices that that we can intentionally make for in preparation for a pilgrimage or on a pilgrimage? A I lot think of kind prayer. Of, yeah, and and knowing like what are my intentions? What what yeah. do I hope to, you know, achieve from from my sacrifice? What can I offer yeah. it for ahead of time so that when yes. there are, you know, when you're walking miles and miles in the rain, you can be thinking Mm-hmm. Oh, this this part of my journey is for an end to abortion or for the souls mm-hmm. of my children or whatever those things that have been brought to mind. There's purpose mm-hmm. then in the suffering. Absolutely. What we were when we went to Philadelphia, as I said, we were with uh, you know a group of of you know two families, but we had eight young children among us. And um, as we were planning to leave, um, I think we were maybe moving to a hotel from the house that we had been staying in, in kind of like a, a an urban neighborhood in Philadelphia. And as we were packing up our suburban to move to the hotel, uh, our car would not start. Of course, our car would not start. <laughs> <laughs> and we weren't really sure what the problem was. We we suspect that it was a battery, but I mean, we're in like an urban neighborhood. There's not like, you know, a Walmart around the corner or a gas station right around the corner. Most people are doing public transit anyway. It's a miracle <laughs> that we could even pi- find a parking space for our suburban on the street because they were so narrow. But um my husband and our friend Brad walked down the street, and Anna and I sat on the stoop. We may have even locked up the house at that point with all of the kids, and we started saying a rosary together with very specific intentions, you know, of the pilgrimage. And uh, the guys came back with a, with a battery tester. And we were like, where did you find a battery <laughs> tester? And they were like, well, we just walked a couple blocks, and there was a guy who had – and I think this may have even been on a Sunday. And there was a guy who had a garage, and he had a battery tester, and, you know, we asked if we could borrow 
it. And I was like, and he just let you? Like, this is downtown Philadelphia. And he just so let friendly. you take it. And he said that the guy told him that he said, well, everybody who's from Philly's out of town. Everybody, you know, hightailed it out of town for this. And so everybody here is for Jesus anyway. So Aww. go ahead and take it. We trust you. <laughs> and I just thought that was such a sweet, I mean, number one, consolation. It was a, you know, a, a, a gift given to us in suffering that was totally unexpected. Mm. Um, and, you know, I don't know that it was, I mean, it was somewhat sacrificial on our part that we had to wait and, you know, uh, abandon our plan for a while, mm-hmm. you know, that we ha- we knew what we wanted to be doing and it wasn't waiting on, you know, car repair by any stretch of the means. But um, yeah, sometimes it's, sometimes the sacrifices come uh, and you didn't even have to plan them. I actually think that's a big, that's a big deal, Fran, like planning. Um, you know, we, we plan our pilgrimages. We plan maybe the restaurants, the hotels, the Mm -hmm. travel, the, but things don't always go as planned. And so a pilgrimage is kind of also learning to totally submit to the will of God and to totally submit, you know, your desires and your, your plans and your ideas to, to what kind of God has in store. And I think that pilgrimages for whatever reason are like a really good place for that to happen. (laughs) You know, it happens in our life, but when you're in a pilgrimage, you're also kind of in a a frame of mind, a a little bit more kind of peaceful, uh, submissive Mm -hmm. frame of mind. And so it's, I always think that the Lord does use those opportunities. It's like my story that I've talked about on this podcast, but I'm going to just briefly touch it touch on it. We, we wanted to take a ton of Lord's water home. We had bought the <laughs> jugs. We had filled the water. We had, it, it was so, again, I've, I said this earlier, water is heavy. Water was the, it was too much water to take on the airplane with us in our suitcases. And so we had to dump half of it out, you know, and our plan was to take all this water mm-hmm. home to be able to give it to people. And we were able to, but it just, God kind of said, okay, this is a little obs- it's just a little much, you know, and uh, <laughs> it's a little over the top, which is kind of your middle name. Um, and so we had to, to, you know, like I said, pour a lot of it out, but we were still able to, to bring it home. Like it was kind of a compromise, you know, mm-hmm. um, we were still able to achieve the goal that we wanted, but it wasn't on our terms. You learned mm-hmm. temperance. I did learn temperance. <laughs> I need to probably relearn temperance. <laughs> and and how many years later, you're still not out. I'm not. Like, it's, like, it's almost like manna in the desert. You know, like yeah. God is like, you're never going to run out. Just trust me. So when we were at the lake, again, I've talked about this, my disastrous <laughs> lake experience and, and rodents had infested my lake house. There was a jug of Lourdes water in the closet. And of I'm like, was. this we're keeping this. We're going to throw all this out. And it was perfect and pristine and clear. And, you know, um, so it's like Lord's water just kind of shows itself. Um, yeah. I have some here, I have some there. It's everywhere. So, and we have, and again, you, we don't have to go to Lords, you know, we don't have to go across the oceans for these sorts of experiences, but we do have to look for them. And I think that, um, I was reflecting last night because I, I, I was feeling like I haven't been on very many pilgrimages. I've never <laughs> been to Rome or Lords or, you know, Fatima or any of those, you know, places, um, you know, overseas, or I thought, I thought I had not been, but then I started to think like, but I have been to a lot of places. So I started like in my little, like it, it, local area, like what, 
sort of day pilgrimages have we made as a family? And I started to make the list. And then as I said, well, but then when we go on vacation, we often do seek out churches or shrines. Even Mm -hmm. if we are on vacation, we make like a mini pilgrimage. We carve out time in that vacation to really give to God and to say, you know, even if it's not, even if it's not an obligatory mass, we'll often say, you know, let's go see if we can find a mass. Let's go see if we can find a beautiful church to walk around and spend some time with God. And I think that those are ways that we can make pilgrimage part of our daily life, you know, right. if not daily, maybe monthly, you know, maybe, you know, I don't know, biannually. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there, there's so, we have so many opportunities. Again, I was, I was making my list and I mean, I'm amazed at how many are just like a day trip from here. Yes. Um, so I think maybe we should, you know, maybe after this podcast is over, you know, write down all of the ones we can even think of and then, you know, post that in conjunction, maybe with our show notes or maybe make a separate blog post of just recommendations for, you know, places that you can get in your car and Mm -hmm. go either by yourself or with your family or with a bunch of friends. You know, when we had our our friendship podcast, we talked about taking trips together is, is, is a sign of friendship um, modeled after Jesus and his disciples. They traveled together, you know, and that's something that, that we can emulate in our own uh, behavior um, as groups of friends even. So Absolutely. And speaking of pilgrimages with friends, are you okay if I wrap it up and do our last little bit? Oh, sure. Okay. Absolutely. Um, well, we, Fran and I, are in the talks. We've been approached about maybe doing a pilgrimage for Bellator Society, and we haven't decided if we're doing that, but we would love your feedback. Is that something yes. you want to do? Is it something you don't want to do if it is something you want to do do you have a wish list would you and if join you don't us? want to do it have you considered whether or not that is the lord <laughs> your representative well, of the lord right now our our biggest concern is like who wants to travel with us who would want to oh go with goodness. us anywhere so we so i have to put that out there i don't want to be overly confident that everyone would want to do this um but so think on that, chew on that, pray on Absolutely. that. Absolutely. That sounds like a beautiful opportunity. Pray for yes. us as we kind of discern that. Um, well, that and it was something that was just kind of presented to us. It wasn't like we're like, what should we add to the list of things to do for Bellator? And <laughs> yeah. this was something that was completely external. Like someone asked us, like, would you guys like to, you know, lead or, or you know, mm. have a Bellator pilgrimage? And we were like, huh, kind of like a podcast. Like, huh. <laughs> This is a this is a good idea that we had not previously thought exactly. of. But we want Bellator opinions. We yes. and we know you got them, Bellator. So uh, let us hear. Email us bellatorsociety at gmail dot com or e- um, fill out the the information link on our website. Yeah. That's my Absolutely. last little bit. Just go to contact us. Molly, so um, you you know this because you, you have listened to the podcast before, but we always end podcasts with our last little bit because we can never end the conversation. And again, we could probably talk about pilgrimages for pilgrimages for um, a while. <laughs> but do you have anything that you would like to share with us? It doesn't have to be about pilgrimages. It can be like, ooh, this is something that's cool. This is something that's on my mind. I have another you, last little bit. Oh, go ahead, save it. <laughs> no, no, no. You go. It's your turn. <laughs> Okay. We're going to start um, having I, to call it last little bits. bits. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I was just thinking about um, an experience I had with one of my kids last week. Um, mm. We do a lot of, we have a big 15 passenger van and a lot of carpooling and being out on the road. And um, I happened to be 
out with just my five-year-old daughter who is, mm-hmm. you know, still rose behind me. And we're just kind of silently driving and um, her little voice came from the way back and she said, mom, God is my shepherd and he will always find me. It just really touched my heart. I thought, oh gosh, she's just thinking, she's just thinking. And the Lord gave that to her. I don't know if she's heard that from me or someone else, but it just really blessed me. And Oh, those that little babies bring us to Jesus. Oh, yes. don't they? they do bring us to Jesus. Oh, this was not going to be my last little bit, but uh, it, very much in line with that. Just last night, I don't know if y'all heard just now, a few minutes ago, there was um, a, a, maybe a saw or a leaf blower or something happening in my yard, which is just, you know, right outside this window. And um, we have a, a, a team of people taking down trees and trimming trees for us. And um, last night we were just talking about the work that they were doing at the din- at the dinner table and my four-year-old um heard me say that they were going to be you know trimming the maple that's in our merry garden um right outside our kitchen and he said after we were talking about it just kind of a couple minutes a couple beats later he said mama did you ask mama mary if it's okay if you trim her tree in her garden (laughs) (laughs) i did not ask that maybe i should ask her more about her opinion more often (laughs) same as bringing down the hammer Sweet. Tracy, I do have one uh, real, I mean, that that is a last little bit. That's a real one. But did you say you had another one? I actually do have one more too. No, you go. You go. <laughs> I was just going to say in terms of pilgrimages, I had the absolute pleasure of hearing um, the mother of the child who received the miracle for the beatification of Fulton Sheen mm, uh, yeah. is Bonnie Engstrom. And she gave a talk at our parish uh, this past Sunday um, just about the miracle. And it's, it's, unbelievable and she has a book i believe that just came out that's 61 minutes to a miracle and basically she had a stillborn baby um who miraculously was revived after over an hour of um invasive invasive um reviving efforts really almost futilely and i say this because my husband is an er physician pediatric er physician he sees these cases like this is this is what he does for a living and as we, so he actually was able to attend the talk as well. And um, I, I did. I was not privy to this conversation. He had to leave, leave a little bit early. Normally, he actually had to go to sleep so he could go to a night shift. But um, as he was walking out, um, a lady from our church was standing there, and she was like, "Isn't this amazing?" And he said, "You have no idea." He said, "This doesn't happen." He, you know, these things. What she's describing. I I have never seen that, you know, in in my 15 years of of, you know, experience, I've never seen um what she described happen. It it can only be a miracle. And let me say this that my husband is a very devout Catholic, but he's also a scientist and a skeptic in a lot of ways. So mm-hmm. I knew that if there was <laughs> any hole in the story, he would be like, "Yeah, that's that's kind of soft. That's a little soft." <laughs> and and to hear him after the fact um recount that story, you know, that that he told to the lady as he was walking out, I got goosebumps. He said he I got, got goosebumps, goosebumps telling her. She had goosebumps <laughs> telling her. I mean, that that it's it is miracles do happen and and praise God that we here in the United States were the recipient um, for this you know able to to be in such a, a proximate um, distance from this miracle that we can hear it from firsthand witnesses I mean mm-hmm. that's 
huge. That's awesome. And opportunity for a pilgrimage. This is where it's all coming full yeah. circle. There you because go. Because the date has not been announced yet, but the beatification is going to happen in Peoria, Illinois, and it's going to be soon. And we could take a pilgrimage. We could, to... we could do our first domestic pilgrimage. <laughs> I know. Let's do it. Let's have I would a pact. love to. Yes. <laughs> Done. Pilgrimage number one. Yeah. <laughs> well, thank you, Molly, so much for joining us. This was so much fun, and I can't wait to – I feel like I'm on a new journey to, to start planning pilgrimages for our family. So thank Absolutely. you. Too. Thank you for asking me. It's been a gift this morning. Thanks for joining us today on Bellator Colloquium. Please look for Bellator Society on everything social, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. And if you like what we're doing here on this podcast, we would love for you to share that with us. Rate us on iTunes to help us get the word out and share, share, share. We cannot wait to chat next time right here on Bellator Colloquium, the conversation for online warriors for the true, good, and beautiful. Thank you.